Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live as Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer are coming to you from our studios in the near Southside Historic District of beautiful downtown Grand Forks um, on a uh, chilly, wintry day. But glorious, but glorious. Yes. You know, Father Gross, every time you give the description of our location, it makes me happy. I don't know what, how, you, just how you do that, and you bring us in, and I'm just like the. Say it again. The near I, the near South Side Historic, Historic District. That's what this part of the city and is called, and I'm still waiting for the kickback from the uh, Chamber of Commerce and, and stuff. I so, haven't quite. No, help me. Out. What, what what are we near to? The near. Downtown. Okay, gotcha. Right, because here's what happens. There's a um, if you go north of Demers in the St. Michael's area, they call it the near north neighborhood. There are banners on um, lamps and things like that. N N N, and that's what it stands for. And if you look at some of the s- sidewalks, there is the logo stamped into the sidewalk near, near the interdec- uh, intersections near South Side Historic. Okay, because like, I, see, I always think about this, especially when I'm driving in from the north and I see St. Michael's towers up there and stuff, and you see the river. I mean, it really is gorgeous here. Nobody. If you haven't been here before, it's a really beautiful setting and location, you know, by, where the rivers come together here. Mm-hmm. And but I, I went as a pa- uh, not pastor, but a priest at St. Michael's, uh, my f- newly ordained. Yes, remember we were going for the archives of Father Sherman, who actually holding in prayer. I got a word today to pray for him. He's ninety, yes, two now, however. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the um, you were going through the historical stuff, and there's this postcard in there, and this woman she had written to uh, Monsignor McNamee, maybe, or, or maybe even Monsignor before that. Okay, but she was complaining, and she said, "Why, when you built St. Mike's, why'd you build it so far from downtown Grand Forks?" Which, as you and I sit here right now, we just laugh because yeah. you couldn't get any closer. Absolutely, but you know, in, they in say that day it was out in the country. They, they say know? the same thing about St. Patrick's in New York City <laughs> when it was first built. There really was no midtown Manhattan. It was out in the fields, far away from the city. And now, <laughs> who would have any idea? <laughs> anyway, we're, we got yes. off of the weeds without even right, starting right. our broadcast. Yeah, no today. kidding. That's uh, <laughs> th- this is exactly what you can count on uh, for the next couple of hours. But we do have some great conversations on tap, and let's begin it by um, offering a moment. Of prayer, Father, if you would. Very please. good. In the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. We thank you for the great joy this day. We thank you for the great saints uh, Peter and Paul, and uh, the dedication of, of their basilicas today. We thank you for um, the, the saints of glory, the, the souls in purgatory in this month of all souls as well. Saint R- Rose Philippine Duchenne call upon her as well. And uh, Heavenly Father, we just give you great glory that our, our voices go out to bring the gospel and Jesus Christ to all those who are listening. Holy Spirit, touch our hearts, our minds, our imaginations. Uh, open us up to your, your living word that we may truly be uh, the body of Christ alive in this world. And we ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And as we begin this uh, first segment here today, I'm pleased to say that we are back to our monthly meandering down literary lane as we have uh, Father William Slattery, a brother priest of the Diocese of Fargo, joining us. Good morning, Father. Good morning. How are you? 
Today. Doing very well. Great to hear from you. Uh, and uh, we are also joined, as always, by Nancy Gord. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure. All right. We have uh, the full cast of characters assembled uh, where Father Slattery was called away for duties regarding his uh, chaplaincy um, last month. But uh, uh, first of all, let's... Um, uh, let's look at uh, the book that you have chosen for us to uh, talk about today, um, and whichever one of you wants to start uh, introducing it to us. Well, I, I can certainly begin. This is a, a great book, and it's, it's kind of one that you have to read carefully because it does cover two protagonists, two time periods, and two plot lines that the author, Lisa Wingate, does a terrific job of intersecting. But it really has to do with searching for family and learning one's history. And it, uh, if you want me to give a little bit of the plot descriptions of the two, I'd be happy to do with that, and then we can move on to other topics. But uh, You know, absolutely, because like you said, uh, she did a fantastic job of just, yeah. just we, this, even the concept of how, how she did it. And um, could you also um, then inter- introduce us and our listeners as well to what what is the lost friends like and, and these advertisements and help right. us understand and, and that before historical. we get to that just to, to clarify the title of the book is the book of lost friends which was initially published about a year and a half ago in the spring of 2020 mm-hmm. by an uh, author by the name of Lisa Wingate so go right ahead Nancy well the book of lost friends is actually based on letters that were sent to a Methodist newspaper titled the Southwestern Christian Advocate. And it was down in the South, and it was really these letters spoke of a search for one's family. People lost and sold right before the end of the war, after the end of the war, before the war. And people wanted to reconnect with their people. And so they would send these letters. And if you read the book, some of them are very, very sad, listing all these siblings and parents who had been sold different places. And so they would publish these, and there was a fee, and they would be read from pulpits in black churches. And so the Book of Lost Friends refers to the 1875 time period when Hanny is traveling with two daughters of her former master through Texas, and they have to take refuge in this rustic church. And plastered on the walls are sheets of these letters. And they begin taking down on their journey messages from people who want to learn of their people. Okay. And, and uh, Father... The, I'm sorry, uh, Nancy, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and that becomes the Book of Lost Friends, all the notations that this one daughter of the Master, and she happens to be the daughter of his New Orleans mistress, Juno Jane, is able to read. And she notates and saves all of these. And so that's the Book of Lost Friends. Can you can you yeah. introduce this to Benny as well? And, and w- w- yeah, and that, I'll, that maybe I'll, I'll take that part, because sure. there's two timelines. <laughs> Yeah, and yes. so uh, the first timeline really goes through that uh, that journey uh, of in 1875 of these three young women uh, trying to find their father, um, and they're they're trying to find their father because he's rumored to be ill, and they have to secure 
uh, their inheritance. And there's kind of a precarious situation, which is part of the plot we'll get into later. But then uh, the the way the book works, it alternates between these two timelines of 1875 and 1987, uh, where you have uh, a new teacher who uh, is uh, kind of a, a very... Uh, had a, had a rough family life and moved across the country, and then she ends up uh, down in Louisiana in this area uh, as a, a basically teaching for mission, um, you know, getting her student loans paid for by working in these very rough schools, um, particularly in this area then of Louisiana that is linked with the history and heritage of the 1875 plot. And so it revolves around this teacher, Benny. Um, who initially is trying to engage her class. It struck me a lot as a teacher <laughs> at school. Just in like oh, the, yes. The idealism of the, the, classes, the lack of resources. It was very, very humorous. Yeah. Uh, but, but it goes through this, this struggle to engage her students and then uh, seeing kind of firsthand um, the uh, impact of, of that uh, just continued struggle through the history of racial segregation in the South, um, and and in the kind of powerlessness that is there uh, mm-hmm. to to help those members in the community, but at the same time that strong desire for hope uh, that comes out of just trying trying one's best to do what you can, um, and then in a surprising ways that people respond to that. Um, right. So they kind of go through their own journey, and so Benny, kind of as a teacher, is going through a journey that is both personal but also professional as a teacher. Right. And I, as an English teacher, the reference to Animal Farm and, again, finding enough books and trying to engage the the students just really struck home to me. But she does a deep dive with her students. They research their personal histories. And this uh, raises, uh, shall we say, the hackles of some of the community members, especially the prominent family in town, the Gosses, which Mm. happen to be descendants of that master from the 1875 time period. And that's what ultimately connects the two timelines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the, the main plot is basically the discovery of this book of lost friends uh, that was um, basically uh, hidden in a time capsule um, in the uh, in in this this library that was built um, after like during segregation and uh, and right. then this this basically rediscovery of these, this history. And it's centered around um, these unmarked graves in which the basically the slaves in that uh, area, um, those who were uh, descendants of, of the slaves who worked for the Gossett Plantation, um, were buried in, which is right next to Benny's uh, rented house where she's living. You know, it's interesting. I did a I did a deep dive on this because I got got so interested, in, and I I pursued who Lisa Wingate was, and and there's a number of real life interviews with her online about how this all came together. And it was actually a fan of hers who who put her in touch with the. I mean, the the Lost Friends is a real thing. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. really exists. And this person had been working on trying to preserve these and get them registered and historically so that people wouldn't wouldn't disappear. And Lisa Wingate felt so moved by it. She thought, here's all these people who treated so horribly. She didn't want, she said, they, they probably don't exist in the sense of unmarked graves and nobody know where they're buried, but she didn't want their memory to be lost. And that was the thing that inspired her to, 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 to do this. And she picked 1987 because she figured that would be about the last time that somebody who was still living could remember 
actual the actual slavery uh, and having that lived experience. And so, I mean, it's it's, in, it's incredibly fascinating how just the concept of the book and how it all came together, which, I mean, it's really kind of a profound thing that she has accomplished here. Um, Nancy, could you, there, there's, one, there's one detail in there that I think is so really important. Could you bring to the attention of our readers, but it has to do with these blue beads. Could you, uh, could you tell us about the blue beads and what, uh, kind of connect that in, what, what that has to do with, with things? Well, when Hanny Gossett, the former slave, now a sharecropper, and, and she is very concerned. One of the reasons she takes off after the two daughters of the master from Louisiana into Texas, is she is so afraid their sharecropping agreement won't be met. You know, they've worked that land for 10 years, so they should get it plus a mule. And she's so afraid that won't and, be and just, you know, Just to give the, the listeners understanding, so we're making a transition from these are being slaves, the Civil War has happened, right. now they're not it slaves, and there's this agreement if they sharecropping, which is just like slavery, basically, <laughs> right. but if they if they do it just right, they would actually get control of the land, and so forth. That's why it's such a big deal. Like, it, well, so it is. It's, it, they end up, I think it's like with 30 acres and a mule, and that's theirs. But she's so afraid that as they get close to that 10 years being up, that won't be honored. But she was separated from her mother and her siblings in the most cruel of ways by a, a very cruel man, and I think it's the master's wife's brother who takes them into Texas. And this is toward the end of the war when they move their slaves into Texas, hoping they won't, wouldn't be seized. And they were sold off. And there is some... Lisa Wingate, as you know, if you read it, is very careful with language. She isn't particularly graphic, but you know some terrible things happen to these people along the way. And Hanny loses her family. And... But she is bound together because her mother gave her blue beads from a string that would always link those her to her other family members, and it becomes a symbol of their past and her people. And those blue beads end up coming back in the end. They're lost for a while on the journey, but they're found again, and it, it just symbolizes that link and a gift from her mother. And it, it symbolizes hope, too. Well, we are just getting warmed up in this great conversation about a recently published book by Lisa Wingate. The name of the book is The Book of Lost Friends, looking at issues having to do with um, uh, race relations and post-Civil War America. Uh, we are visiting with Father William Slattery and Nancy Gord, and we'll continue the conversation after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. 
Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Wherever you are and however you are listening to us, we're so grateful that you've taken time to be with us. Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross, priests of the Diocese of Fargo from our Grand Fork Studios. At the bottom of the hour, we will have our regular straight talk segment. And as fun as it is for each of us to do the talking, we really count on you to contribute. 877-795-0122 will be that toll-free number to go ahead and call in during that segment. You can also leave questions on our uh, Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. So we're visiting with Father William Slattery and Nancy Gord about a recently published book called The Book of Lost Friends by Lisa Wingate. And uh, Father Slattery, I just wanted to ask you about um, uh, something I realized as I was doing a, a little bit of research on this. I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't realize just how tumultuous in certain parts of the South that time of Reconstruction was. Now, we uh, know our history about um, the surrender at Appomattox in 1865, but for years thereafter, especially in outlying areas of the Confederacy, there were a lot of people who, if not were outright still fighting the war, really didn't, uh, you know, accept that uh, that that result, and um, you know we're facing those difficulties. So, um, could you just uh, touch on how this book kind of reminds the reader about that uh, chapter in our country's history? With uh, just even uh, that kind of brutality of the Civil War, like when you have a nation divided against itself, um, you know, and the way and means in which the war was was fought in the end is just. You know, there was uh, a lot of acceptance of human life casualties, and you have Sherman's March to the South, where uh, a lot of the uh, main cultural and civic life of the South was kind of uh, destroyed. Um, and then kind of the you know economic changes that happened there is just the kind of forced a lot of uh, a, a getting change in the South. A lot of it had to happen because it was uh, morally wrong which is, you know, the good, you see the good progress there, but then with that kind of entire economic shift from um, 
from the kind of the agricultural farming base founded on the black of slavery now being changed, um, you have a kind of a sharp decline into poverty um, for both, uh, you know, black and white, but most predominantly even the, still the, like, the black slaves experience that poverty in a greater degree. And so you see that like this time then after um, the Civil War, which we call Reconstruction, it was not uh, a unified approach <laughs> by anybody means of like, you know, a group of people saying we're going to rebuild. It just was really... Um, kind of mm-hmm. crawling out of a devastation. And then that was a lot of lawlessness, especially in those outer territories like Texas um, in this time period, which is, makes up a predominant part of that timeline um, so, in 1875. You just see just a, a real um, way in which those wounds that were, available, were prevalent in the Civil War and through that time period continue to fester um, just and also how individuals are willing to take advantage of those who are are poor, those who um, who are struggling, so that they can get ahead. So a lot of selfishness, a lot of wounding, a lot of violence. So, so Nancy, could you help help us understand like the real dangers that the the three ladies face as they as they're traveling along, and even ten, even though it's ten years later, it's it's almost like it's it's still there. And then you know how they end up in this church, and kind of what the symbolism of that that church is, you know. Uh, could you bring us uh, in, into that part of the story? Well, speaking of the danger, Hanny actually dresses as a boy when she first starts trailing the daughters of the old master. And actually, she has to rescue the two daughters because they have been accosted and assaulted by some very cruel men and drugged. And here's Hanny so resourceful, has got to nurse them back to health as, as well as she can and find food and shelter, and they're out in the elements. There are all kinds of cruel, dangerous men uh, on the river, in the fields, in the woods. And it, as young women, they have to be particularly cautious. So they do dress for quite a bit of that journey as, as boys. And so that protects them a little bit. And, you know, they do have people who help them along the way. Uh, God says that becomes a good friend, and he shows up, his family shows up later in the book. And um, Moses ends up being, I don't want to give too many spoilers here, but he becomes a very important, helpful figure as well. So there are people who assist them, but it is absolutely remarkable that they were able to survive that trip. Yeah, they did have some money because one of the daughters did have money, and they end up, oh, I would say maybe halfway through their journey in this church, and the girls are just starting. Juno Jane, the one who can read the daughter of the old master's mistress, Juno Jane comes to a little bit more than Lavinia. Lavinia has suffered brain damage, but she comes to and... Hanny has brought them into this building, and she's just, there is a sense that it's a different place. The way there is a raised area, it's obviously a place of worship. And they take refuge there, and they heal a little bit, and they're actually, there's a woman and a child who come singing a hymn. And up to this structure, and that sound of the music, and are you good people, and will you help us? And Hanny, again, thinking all the time, says that they've been ill, that it might be fever. 
but can you leave us some food? So that that place in the country where the Book of Lost Friends begins with all the newspapers on the walls uh, is a place of healing and a place of centering oneself. And I think it is there that Hanny begins her curiosity for the written word, because I can't stress enough that if you love books and you love going to libraries, this book speaks of this. Sure. Now, we just sadly only have a short amount of time left here, and for those who are just joining us, Father William Slattery and Nancy Gord are with us. Uh, Father Slattery, what are some of the Christian themes that come to your mind uh, that are communicated in this book, maybe not um, overtly, but uh, which are present nonetheless? Well, I think uh, a couple things. Um, one, One would be the power of hope to bring healing. And then the importance of, like, again, belonging, like the sense of people, and then also how, in a real way, like a church or a community, like, again, centered in faith, is a place of belonging um, that <clears throat> helps to foster those who are lost to find uh, their their ways and, and path in life um, and a family. And so I think, like, that's kind of one of the, the I would say, the uh, central Christian themes I found. Um, and particularly with the hope one, it, it really is that, uh, time in which Hanny finds herself in probably the most precarious situation with these two women who are, uh, yeah, kind of incapacitated, um, and and then with you know kind of suffering from illness, and she herself has kind of this quasi fever in the uh, in that little church in the woods. Um, it's there that she begins to experience hope uh, when uh, Juno Jane begins to take down those uh, letters of the lost friends and she you know first doesn't want to hurt the church and that's kind of this these news articles are around and she begins to take them down and then that's the curiosity develops into what they are and once she figures out what they are it just sparks in her that longing for her own people and a hope that they could be found again and that's just kind of the the resolution of her journey it's just how that hope drives her and gives her courage how that hope inspires her in those difficult times and then ultimately brings her to the ability to find her family, um, if not all, but many of them in the end. Right. Yeah, she finds several. Yep. And uh, so I think that's the most prominent theme. But in the second way as well, of that sense of belonging for a community and how that's necessary for healing. Uh, You have both in the timeline of 1875 and also 1987, just a lot of fracturing of individuals' lives, whether through moral failure, through institutional failure, and the importance of then of a community to come together and how that can bring healing, but how faith is essential for that. I mean, you know, there's just so It's not, again, very overt in the same way she's not explicit with a lot of, of the cruelty, in the same way she doesn't really get into maybe very prominent themes and, again, uh, religious themes, but you see it in small ways, and especially with this statue that used to be the mm-hmm. sign outside of the library, the statue of St. Anthony of Padua, uh, mm-hmm. and that reality of the that God doesn't abandon the, those who are lost. There you and, go. Uh, and the hope for those who are lost. And I think that that, that little statue is, is scattered throughout, and uh, mm-hmm. the religious themes are there, but maybe not, not as prominent, but they kind of underscore that reality of the hope for those who are lost. All right. 
experience. Well, we are grateful for the two of you whetting our appetites on this uh, uh, fascinating premise behind uh, the book, the, the Book of Lost Friends. Uh, Lisa Wingate is the author of that book. As we look forward to our next time together, uh, are there any ideas that you have about what we might be uh, looking at just to kind of um, uh, get us curious? Well, I would suggest a prayer journal by Flannery O'Connor, and it was a journal she kept for one of her college years. And it's not a very long book, but it is insightful regarding someone who is considered to be one of the most Catholic of writers. That would be one. And, Father, if you want to introduce the other. Well, I think what we'll do, because if we we start hitting all these books, we'll run out of books. So I'm going to say that we just stick with the prayer journal. Just want to stick with the prayer journal? Oh yeah, because we always leave them wanting more. Well, you know, the the other thing we could do, we could always we could always give out like three titles and say we're going to pick one of these, and that way it'll encourage uh, our listeners to start reading more more books, and then they they'll have to read all three in order to uh, know what we're talking about. (laughs) Well, to to accomplish that, Father, then uh, the other idea was Paul Claudel, who's a French player, wrote a a play called Tidings Brought to Mary, that uh, is a very very provocative little play. It centers around the climax being this uh, reunion of a family around Christmas um, in, a, in, again, a, a very eschatological way of, of like, again, the hope of, uh, of healing and the afterlife. Um, so it's a very Excellent. good one, but that's one to reconsider. And that'd be appropriate because I think next time we're on is December 23rd. So, yep. So right on, the, right on the cusp of the Christmas holiday, so we'll uh, keep people curious about uh, what direction we go. But thank you so much again for uh, being so generous with your time, and uh, blessings to the both of you and your day. Oh, thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Fantastic. Well, uh, we know that you have burning questions about things happening in the church, uh, about the faith that you have maybe feel you have never quite gotten answered satisfactorily now's the time to give it give us uh, your best shot straight talk is coming up next right here on real presence live live engaging and local this is real presence live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the real presence radio network